0: In all my 20 years of working with fashion brands, creative agencies, retail stores, and working on some of the most prominent collaborations of all time, you know what the most stressful thing I've ever done is? Trying to start a podcast. No, seriously, trying to get a podcast off the ground is like advanced mathematics. It's a tangled web of codes, confusing links, and algorithms. That is until the day I discovered Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. A, it is free. B, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your smartphone or computer. C, Anchor will take care of distributing your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else people listen to shows. And last but not least, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Thank you, Anchor. No, really, thank you. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Hey, what's up, listeners? So recently I had the opportunity to host a live Business of Hype session in San Francisco as part of WeWork's Creator Award series. The WeWork Creator Awards is supporting innovative projects and the people behind them. This global competition is open to entrepreneurs, performers, startups and nonprofits, really anyone who embodies their mantra of create your own life's work. What they do is amazing, and you've probably heard of WeWork and all of their co-working spaces, But most people aren't aware of the Creator Awards, so definitely check them out at creatorawards.wework.com. Now for this panel, I had the pleasure of talking to three very distinct and unique people. First is Benny Gold, a Hypebeast OG, known for his skate-inspired brand of the same name hailing from SF. He has his own retail store, cafe, apparel collection, and he's done amazing collabs with Nike, Miller Lite, Jansport, Teva, and more. Next up, we have Dusty Button, a dancer and ballerina who is redefining the category. Sure, she's done the whole circuit of company dancing at places like Radio City, the English National Ballet, and the Boston Ballet. But now she represents a new breed of ballerina, and she is now even an official Red Bull athlete. Last but not least is Natalie Ellis, who is the founder of Boss Babe, a collective whose mission is to inspire and support women to turn their dreams into realities through helping them build successful businesses. They've amassed over a million members in just under 24 months. So it's gonna be interesting to hear how these different creatives, streetwear, skate, dance, sponsored athlete and entrepreneur, thinks disruption might be one of the keys to success. And without further ado, let's get into this special live edition of the Business of Hype. Yeah. What's up, everyone? Thanks for coming out. One more round of applause for everyone on stage and WeWork. My name is Jeff Staple. I'm so stoked to be here at the Creator Awards. WeWork is amazing. If you, uh, if you live in any major metropolitan area, you'll see WeWork is pretty much everywhere. And it's really exciting that they give away millions of dollars to people. What, what, how, how can you hate on that? You know, that's awesome. So um, this class is really great because what we're going to talk about is disruption Um, as a creative and as an entrepreneur. And I think a lot of people maybe don't necessarily equate the word disruption with creatives. But to me, being that I've been doing this for 20 years now, um, I've always felt like I was disrupting, right? Because I think just by nature of being a creative, you're sort of going against the norm as it is on an everyday basis. Even if you haven't started your own business yet, just thinking as a creative whatever medium that might take, whether that's athletics, whether it's design, or whether it's entrepreneurship as a whole, you're always constantly going against the grain, against the norm. Because the norm is sort of like, just get a job, just do the nine to five, and just plug into the system, and just be a good boy, and be a good girl, and don't make a lot of noise, right? So we have, including myself, three people here that have really like showed how that goes about and goes, you know, happens. So we're going to dive a little bit into each of their minds, and then I want to leave some some time for some Q and A. I think we all agreed backstage that we enjoy audience Q and A a lot more than just us blabbing. Um, so we're going to go we're going to go right into it. So let's start with Dusty. Everyone, give a round of applause to Dusty. <laughs> Dusty, I. I kind of feel like you sitting in a chair is like a waste of everyone's time and energy right now because she was like stretching before when we were like doing green room rehearsals and we were just staring at her like flawed. She was like standing on her toes for like 10 straight minutes. We're like, when are you going to come down on your heels? Okay, so how are you doing? Thank you for coming.
1: I'm good. Hi, guys.
0: All right, so she is, uh, in case you didn't know, she's an official Red Bull sponsored athlete. How does a ballerina become a Red Bull athlete? How does that happen?
1: Um, I can't really speak for everyone and their own path of how they would become, you know, an athlete as a ballerina. But uh, for me, it's, it's really important that I have knowledge of other industries. And, you know, Red Bull doesn't really take any other path twice mm-hmm. you know every time they, they look at someone they look for someone unique that is breaking barriers that is challenging an industry uh, that they want to be a part of and i think my knowledge of uh, with the help of my husband the knowledge of cars and and motorsports and different sports that uh, that Red Bull's involved in i think that helped me become more than just someone who is only involved in my industry. Mm. It's very easy to be consumed by only ballet when yeah. you're a ballet dancer.
0: Because what I, what I think of ballet, yes. I think a lot of people have like an image in their head of what that looks like. <laughs> yeah. And you're not necessarily that image, and I think that's a good thing. I'm saying Thank that you. is a good thing, but no, I, appreciate I would it. assume that the cognoscenti of the ballerina world sees you as like not playing by the rules. Am I right?
1: Of course, Okay. yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's funny, um, I'm not in a company right now because I'm choosing to freelance, uh, which gives me more opportunity to create and to grow, which I think is a very important part as an artist. Uh, but you know, it, it's true. Every time I, I I was in a company and I would say, you know, I'd rather do it this way, I'd rather do it that way, people kind of look at you like, why?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And my answer is always why not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think it's important to be creative and, like you're saying, sort of be the black sheep of your industry. Yeah,
0: right. Right. Yeah. And recently, I think you've started an athletic line as well, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So tell us about that.
1: Uh, we started. Uh, my husband and I started uh, an athletic wear line that is called Bravado Dancewear, um, and sort of similar to the last question, what I was saying is, uh, you know, in my industry, everyone sort of fits into a mold they always wear the same thing they do the same thing every day they're in a routine and as someone who's an influence to maybe a younger generation um, in my position it's important for me to show that you can do um, sort of the things that you really aspire to to do Mm. and the person you aspire to be and i like representing that with the title of my dancewear line and also what we design Yeah yeah
0: so now you're going into like me and benny's world
1: yeah i'm I'm giving (laughs) Uh you foreshadowing Uh warnings
0: of what you're in for okay (laughs) but do you have a fashion background do you have like
1: i don't actually uh my husband is the one with the not necessarily a fashion background but architectural background design background he's a designer um and with the sort of combined efforts between both of us it's we always make sure to stand out from others and this this effort was no different than any other.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yet. And is it out yet? Can people it find is, it yet? It is, yeah. Okay. It's
1: bravado Okay, send <laughs> the plug, got
0: you. Yes. And then what do you see next for you, like in the next couple of years? What's what's the future hold for Dusty?
1: Um, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it would hold for me. I think the answer would be growth. Uh-huh. Um, growth is an extremely important part of what I do. I get to wake up every day and do something I love. And... That's so important for me because I haven't considered it a job yet because I love what I do and I'll never stop challenging the industry I'm in because when I'm finished with it, I want to be happy with what I've done and not happy with what someone's told me to do.
0: Right, Yeah. that's awesome. Thank okay, you. let's go on to our next guest, Mr. Benny Gold. Everyone give a hometown, <laughs> hi everybody. The hometown hero, Benny Gold. All right, so I have to shamelessly plug for one second, because um, this is a little secret, but I just interviewed Benny Gold yesterday for um, a new podcast that I started on Hype Beast Radio. It's called The Business of Hype. It's an awesome podcast. Thank you for those who've listened. Those ten people, thank you for listening. <laughs> Um no, but I, I highly suggest you check it out. Um I interview entrepreneurs who are in the business of hype and we get into the nitty-gritty of stories that hopefully aren't often told. I did an interview on Benny yesterday, so that'll air very soon. So I learned a lot about you. Yes. So Benny, um tell us about how it was like starting a brand in San Francisco in particular, because we're in San Francisco, you're you're you've started your brand here. So what was it like starting a brand here?
2: Uh, st- starting a brand in San Francisco was interesting. I th- it's probably like starting a brand anywhere else. You just kind of start. Uh-huh. You know, I just was making stuff to make things because I loved making it. Not to, I didn't start it to start a brand. I didn't start it to make money. I didn't start it to get famous. I just started it because I wanted to start something and be and have something that I'm proud of making. Yeah. Like it wasn't an interior. You know, it wasn't a goal to like have a brand.
0: Yeah. I think you told me this yesterday, but you have to tell the crowd okay. here. What were you doing at the time when the Benny Gold brand started, and how did it exactly start?
2: I was working uh, as a junior designer at a pretty well-known design firm out here. And I was working on you know, annual reports and logos for anything. Yeah. And I was feeling uninspired. And, and I was working until like 1 in the morning in my 20s. And all I really wanted to do was go skateboarding, get laid, and have fun in San Francisco. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And he's, I was, a, work, he's an honest yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started it as a side project. It was just a sticker, literally a sticker that I posted around town on my days off from work, and it was meant to me as a reminder to not lose sight of why I fell in love with art and why I moved to San Francisco.
0: That's awesome. You know, and
2: people connected with it, and it eventually turned into a brand, You know, and I'm so thankful for that moment where I decided to like take that step forward on my own.
0: The, the best part is it wasn't even a sticker. It was like... A laser copied thing that you cut out with an exacto knife. Each one, right?
2: Yeah. So <laughs> after my boss would leave for work, I would stay late and run uh, sticker paper through the sticker copy paper. machine. And I really and being a perfectionist, I wanted to have a die cut, but of course, I couldn't figure out how to do it yet. Right. So I sat there and cut it out every day, each one. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Um, SF is so known for being like tech capital, right? Everything yeah. here is about like innovation, technical um, capabilities, and and. W- With that comes this idea that, like, when you have a business in SF, it's all about like ROI and like P&Ls and like numbers, right? But you exist in the business that is so the opposite of that. But you're in the shadow of all of these sort of corporations. How does it feel to have a business like that here in SF?
2: Uh, It feels a little bit like the underdog, you know, because you see these businesses and and startups happen with like huge funding and huge opportunities that come with funding, right? you know, like acquiring new customers and all that stuff. But for me, I have to work that much harder to get, you know, noticed in that space. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and that's really hard, not having any funding and really just being a bootstrapped individual independent artist. How long has it been now for Uh, the brand? The brand's been around for 15 years now. Yeah,
0: and all still 100% self-funded, like it's just you.
2: Yeah, to the better or worse,
0: Have you guys been to his store yeah, I mean you got to go. It's it's the vibe and the community there is just awesome. He does these things called office hours where what is it? Every, once a week every Thursday.
2: Yeah, every Thursday I make myself available for inspiring artists and entrepreneurs to come talk to me and pick my brain. I just want to give them a space where they can tell me what they're working on and make myself available to them.
0: Yeah, it's really awesome what you're doing for the community. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Finally, we have Natalie Ellis. Hello, Natalie. How you doing? Good. She is the CEO of Boss Babe. Um, So tell us a little bit, for for those who don't know, what does Boss Babe do?
3: So uh, Boss Babe is one of the largest communities in the the world of um, ambitious female entrepreneurs, or um, ambitious women who maybe want to start a business.
0: And I can tell from your accent, you're not from SF. Really? (laughs) No, I'm not. Tell us where you're from.
3: Yeah, I'm from a tiny place called Newcastle. Does anyone know it? (laughs) Yes, where the B is from. I'm from Newcastle, (laughs) uh, right near Scotland in the UK.
0: Okay. Um, And so your your community platform is how many people now?
3: So we have about a million.
0: A million people that all want to be entrepreneurs.
3: They're all boss babes.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) And do you find, when you're talking to them about, speaking about disruption, right, do you feel like when they speak to you and they speak to people in your company, is there like a lot of fear in what they're trying to do? Is, are are they typically leaving something very safe and then pursuing this entrepreneurship?
3: Yeah, that's a big thing. So um, a lot of women that kind of discover our brand and work with us, uh, they are working full time for someone else and they've kind of got this idea for a side hustle or they've got a side hustle and they're kind of at that stage, they're like, how do I turn this into a business? Mm-hmm. And it's terrifying. This idea of leaving all the benefits and the salary and everything, and I'm here like, come on, you can do it, it's amazing. And they're like, oh, this doesn't sound fun. Like, it's, it's really terrifying for a yeah. lot of people. And so to be able to be there and, ho- and give them that confidence and hopefully guide them through it is such an incredible thing.
0: What do you find is usually the tipping point that makes that entrepreneur finally cut the cord and then go and do and follow their dreams.
3: So there's a couple of things um, I think they first have to start seeing other people kind of get what they're doing as well so it's they start building up confidence and then other people start to say you've got a really good idea here you've got something um, and what really tips it is if they start making sales and they can see you know what I can make money here right and and the amazing thing is I'm like okay well think if you could just have more time what could you do? What sales could you make? Yeah. And once they start seeing that traction, it gives them the confidence to start thinking, okay, I could do this.
0: So how much of this is psychological, like in their head, you know, like we were just talking backstage about the psychology of it, right? Is it is it mostly fear based in their head?
3: Yes, I think, you know, we are scared. We are often driven by fear, which is a terrible place to be in. Um, and it's all this what if, and, and it really depends if you're brought up in a family where, you're, you're, there's a lot of entrepreneurs around you and they're telling you to take risks, you're probably more likely to do it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're brought up in a place where people aren't taking risks and people think this kind of thing is terrifying, then you're gonna be driven by a lot more fear. But I think psychology, I mean, it comes into business as a whole. Yeah. Like we have to understand, we have to really understand the full psychology of our, um, of our of the women in our community to be able to work with them.
0: And after now seeing a mil- like literally a million people wanting to start businesses, what is the trait that you see that is one of the one of the most telltale signs that you're like, oh, she's gonna be a boss babe?
3: Ooh, good question. Thank you. You know, it's uh, we have this tagline actually, and I'm wearing it now, and it's uh, unapologetically ambitious. It's the kind of woman who is so ambitious she isn't she isn't going to apologize for that she will tell you what she's going to achieve and she will stand up and say that and she will go against anyone that tells her she can't do it and as soon as you see that in a woman you're like ooh, yeah i can't wait to see where that goes
0: do you get like goosebumps when you meet one of these people that you're like oh she's gonna kill it and i do yeah, i do yeah. i
3: really do i'm like oh you are gonna do amazing things and then to be able to tell her that as well and she's like it, it makes her just feel like you know what yeah i got this
0: yeah why is now the time more than ever in history the time for people to start businesses
3: i mean now you can have a laptop and you can be making millions of dollars it is so possible now to do anything um that's really what got me into this whole thing i was starting on my laptop i was i started on social media i created a business with this one thing um we have access to so many resources and and if you want to learn how to do something you can google it like it's really really easy these days and you know as long as you've got internet connection there's no there's no reason you cannot be building an empire from your laptop and i just think that's an incredible opportunity
0: totally i was uh, so my brand is 21 years old this year
3: wow yeah Congratulations. and
0: i was walking i was walking a trade show recently and i met this kid and I, and he had a really great brand and i was like wow tell me more about your brand like when did you start he's like oh i started it on tuesday I was like, you start on Tuesday and you have like a trade show booth with samples. Like, yeah, you know, everything could just be dialed up. I learned on YouTube, Benny. I was like, I felt so freaking old. It was, it was sad. Wow. <laughs> but um, okay, so for an entrepreneur, let's say they've decided to jump ship and they're going to do it now, right? What are some of the first things that they need to learn? Is it like, do they need to learn legalities and trademarks? Do you suggest they go into the nitty-gritty field of that, or do you think it's more about learning the actual business, which is which is more important?
3: Yeah, I don't think they need to go into the nitty-gritty like obviously that there comes a time that's important, but I think the big hurdle between having an idea and having a business is actually taking action. And so you can sit and plan for days and and weeks and years and never actually get anything done. Mm. So uh, the thing I say you need to do is be taking action. So come up with, you've got your idea, start coming up with a bit of a strategy and start testing, actually going out there and make sure that every single day you are taking action towards making this business happen. Right. Because I just think we can get so caught up on the nitty gritty. And um, it's so funny, I built my entire business without a fancy logo or a website and we just launched a logo yesterday. So... You did? Yeah. And And it just goes to show, you can spend all this time getting caught up on the little details, and at the end of the day, if you're not if you're not running your business and actually doing the thing, the yeah. little things don't matter. What's the point of having a logo if I've got no business? Right. And I mean, I know that I'm not saying do that. That's not great advice, but that's, that's just <laughs> the way it was for us. We yeah. are, I'm the kind of person, I have an idea, I'm like, I'm going for it. Right. And then I'm, I'm like, oh shit, I should have had a logo for that, yeah. and I should have done this, but...
0: We have you a million members now. Let's get a logo. It's a good time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Benny, we were talking about that yesterday, like how the biggest advice you often give is like stop dilly-dallying on like, you know, you've you've heard entrepreneurs say like, I'm trying to get my trademarks figured out. Like you didn't even make one single thing yet. Like just go out there and do it first, right?
2: Yeah, we were talking about that yesterday. People come into the office hours all the time and with all these ideas, but they're so afraid to take that first step because they want to get everything perfect first. Yeah. You know, they want their logo. They want it trademarked. They want a million followers first, right. whatever. But they haven't made anything yet. Yeah. And my advice is always just to start. Just take that step and start something. And, right. the, and the rest will figure itself out. Yeah.
0: All right, enough of us talking. Let's get some audience Q&A going, shall we? All right, so let's go. Let's start, let's start with some questions. You could direct them at any of us, all of us, none of us. All right, let's start here. Do we have a mic for the Q&A, or you're just going to? No, It's you're... me again. OK. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany will be our gracious a.k.a. Oprah, MC. a.k.a. Sally, Jesse, Raphael. Um, my question is for Jeff. First
3: of all, I'm a big, a big fan of yours since, like, the um, the pigeon dunk, the original Thank you, one. Man. And um, I've been listening to your podcast on Bees. Oh, cool. Uh, the ones that that stood out to me was the Hiroshi Fujiwara one. Yes. Yeah, that show was hard. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Um, oh, for the question, uh, if you... If you were to start your brand today, what would be the differences between 21 years ago and today? And how would you do it?
0: Oh, that's a great question. Um, man, that's a good question, right, Benny? Yeah. I would say um, the biggest difference between 20 years ago and today is that when I started my brand early, um, I had to rely on retail shops to support my brand, right? So like, I had to go to stores, whether it was in malls or in local areas, and I had to find shops all around the world that would support my brand. In fact, when I was printing shirts, um, I didn't even think I had a brand until a store that I walked into said, "I want to order that shirt that you're wearing. I want to order twelve pieces of that shirt." And that's when I was like, "Oh, I have a business now." Like it wasn't even um, a thing to me that like I could I could make a brand at that point. A buyer of a store had to tell me. Today, that doesn't exist anymore. Today you can start an Instagram account and start selling from it. You could, you know, open Shopify and like just you're you're selling right away you know and you can cut out all the middlemen and you can make all that money so I would say that changes everything about how you build a brand because now you're no longer building a brand for a potential buyer to hopefully support you're building a brand for yourself and for your fan base so that's probably the biggest difference
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's huge because when we started brands there was no direct to consumer yes like none of us had websites None of us had social media, so the only way for us to get our stuff out there was to sell it to stores. Yeah. Where now you could go direct to the consumer, and I think where we never focused on that because it wasn't an option. Yeah. If I started a brand today, I'll focus more on direct to consumer.
0: Yeah. Let me tell you how I'll just give you one. Add one more thing. It, it's come so far now that if a really cool store, let's say they're based in like you know Paris or whatever, like really far away, a really cool store wants to buy our brand, we'll just send them the clothes for free. We won't even charge them for it because at this point it's all marketing. Like the the effort it takes for them to buy the clothes, for us to send it, for us to chase that invoice, to hope they pay for it—it's so much work. We're just like, take your $500 order and just display our brand well, and just that's it. Have a nice day. That's how far it's come where retail has changed now. It's just become like a showroom at this point, you know? Yeah. Okay. I actually have two um, two quick questions. Okay. So my name is uh, Matthew Galvez. Um, so I have a clothing brand as well, and uh, something I was just curious about, like when you hit a roadblock, like, what keeps you like from going forward? Like when you when you like it's like damn, like I don't know what's what, what's next. Like, okay, Natalie, do you have experience with entrepreneurs hitting roadblocks?
3: All the time. Um, I think you have to remember why you're doing it. Um, I think it's really important whenever you have any goal, you should connect it to a to your why. So why am I doing this? And when something goes wrong, which it is going to be when you're an entrepreneur, like the entrepreneurial journey is like this, as I'm sure so many of you know, and when it gets hard, you have to remember why you're doing it and just take a step back, see the big picture and realize this roadblock probably isn't going to stop you from achieving this whole big thing. It's just a tiny little bit. And and being able to step back and have that perspective I think is so important.
0: Yeah. Have you guys can you recount stories where you've had roadblocks?
1: Yeah, you know, Not only in the the fashion industry, but uh, for me in my industry, choreographically, I've hit roadblocks where I'm trying to choreograph something for someone. I think roadblocks are good. I think they're a good thing because if you don't have roadblocks, it means you're too comfortable. Mm. And the minute you're too comfortable, you kind of stop creating and it's easy to fall back into, oh, well, I've done this before, but I'll do it in a different color Mm -hmm. or I'll do it, you know, in a little bit of a different way. And that is where you stop growing. So I would take that roadblock and just, like she said, it is good to remember why you're doing it. And also remember that um, research is a very good and helpful tool as well. Research as in, you see things that other people are doing and go completely the other direction. So maybe that gives you some inspiration of, oh, well they're doing this, I'm gonna do exactly the opposite. And then your roadblock is kind of Less roadblocked, if that makes any sense, and then you can start from somewhere else.
0: That's great advice. I'm going to take that bit of advice. Okay, good. (laughs) I learned something. Not that you need it,
2: but
0: okay. You got any roadblock advice?
2: I think the misconception is that there's more roadblocks than not, you know, Mm -hmm. so they come up all the time in every form, you know, from the big things to like how to get something made to the little things like, you know, uh, the receipt printer doesn't work at your store. You know, there's always a ro- there's always a roadblock and there's always something to figure out. And that's the thing about being your own boss and h- having your own business, that you have to figure it all out. Mm-hmm. You know, when you work for a corporation, you work for somebody else, there's everything is divvied out so that everyone has their own little roles. But when you're your own boss, you have to figure out every roadblock. And that's, that's the fun part of it. You know, the fun part is figuring it out and the journey of it all.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think if you have your own business, like, what Natalie said, if you have your vision straight, then to be honest, 9.9 out of 10 roadblocks actually have a very simple solution. What usually clouds that solution is people's egos or politics or like feelings, like all this like sappy shit is like the stuff that actually prevents you from just going straight to the answer. But when you're really laser focused on what it is that you wanna do, then it's just about you know getting there and removing all of that other semantic, romantic, personality type stuff and like just and that's that's the hard part about being an entrepreneur is that like sometimes you get called out for not having feelings or being very cold hearted but it's because you have this goal that you want to achieve um, and then you just got to get to that goal you know but I love Dusty's idea of taking your roadblock and turning it into like the next great thing that's an awesome bit of advice. We got one more or no we don't got one more.
1: I don't know. Do we have one more? Oh, oh you. Oh, you. Can I? Can I get? Uh, is there? Is there a lady in the house that I can? Is <laughs> oh, uh, yes! there a wo-
0: <laughs> Okay. Thank you.
1: Sisters out here doing it for themselves.
3: <laughs> hey, um, my name's Poem. Um, I was just wondering. What's your name? My name's Poem.
0: Poem, that's awesome.
1: Poem-y. Beautiful name. Um,
3: I was just wondering.
1: I have a degree in fashion, and I worked in the industry for a while, and did all that, and I'm. Just like I guess my roadblock is like production, and I guess maybe you just need
2: investors first to like line that up. I don't, but that's no, fine.
0: not necessarily. You want to no. take that one?
2: No, I think I think just make what you know how to make at first, you know, and don't worry about like what other people are making. You know, make what you know how to make, and then figure out the rest along the way. And if not, Google it. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I have a lot of friends. There's, it's a different time from now from when Jeff and I started. Because there was no Alibaba and none of that stuff. Like right. a, a lot of these people come in with brands now and they want to make a sweatshirt or anything, and they could find a vendor through Alibaba in two seconds. Yeah. Where before I had to beg Jeff to make an introduction to his yeah, factory. and, I, and I wouldn't
0: do it because I was so precious. No, I'm just kidding. No, but no, seriously. A, <laughs> lot, a lot. But of, I we looked at the yellow pages, like the paper yellow pages, to look for factories and stuff. But I agree with with Benny's idea. Like he started his brand on a sticker. You know, my friends own this brand called Pintrill. They started a brand on a pin, like a brand nowadays could be like a dad cap. It could be a napkin. Like it could be anything, you know? And once you start getting the momentum from there, maybe now, right now you want to make evening gowns or leather jackets or whatever it is that is unachievable right now. But if you take the baby steps and as Natalie said, just get out there and start making stuff, you'll get to that point eventually.
1: So I was just going to touch on that slightly, just coming from a generation that, where social media is a huge part in marketing. Um, what he said earlier about sending your, your stuff to people, um, I get DMs all the time of people saying, will you wear this? Will you do this? And even though at, at times it can feel like you're selling out at that point, it is a good beginning, um, I think, because if you have someone that does have a following, not that it's all about that, um, and they do one post, I mean, it is amazing the, the repercussions that come from that, kind of like who you're going to get following you, what is that that she's making. It is a great tool. It can be a good and a bad thing, you know, Instagram. Uh, but for marketing, it's a great tool now, especially for my generation and the upcoming generation. Uh, it's all everyone looks at. So it, it is a great segue into what you want to do, not that you have to use that forever. Uh, but it is a good beginning tool, I mm-hmm. think.
0: All right. I think that's all we have time for. I think we're all going to be hanging around outside at the Creator Awards, so definitely catch us outside um, if you want to ask some more stuff. (laughs) And thank you again for coming. Thank you to my guests. We had an awesome talk today. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks for listening to this live episode of The Business of Hype. Thank you to WeWork and the WeWork Creator Awards for helping to make this possible. You can find out more about the show or listen to other episodes at hypebeast.com slash radio. And subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. I personally use Overcast. And I love hearing your thoughts on Twitter. So reach out to me. I'm at Jeff Staple. You could also check us out on the web at businessofhype.com. And you can email any questions that you might have to questions at businessofhype.com. The Business of Hype is directed by Daniel Novetta. It's edited and produced by Bright Young Things. You can check them out at byt.nyc. Engineering is by Alexander Christensen. Our intern is Carolyn Cow. Our producers at Hypebeast Radio are Ben Rosen and Jay Chung. You should check out our other shows on Hypebeast Radio. The HBR show, hosted by Ben Rosen, and Soundcheck, our new music show, hosted by Manny Madukalum. This was recorded at Sibling Rivalry Studio and on location in San Francisco, California. I'm Jeff Staple, and you've been listening
2: to The Business of Hype on Hype East Radio.